Welcome to the Operation Crest podcast. I'm Julia. And I'm Ava. And we are the co-hosts of today's episode. Operation Crest is an effort from the 957 Project to empower high school students like us to preserve the memories of America's veterans and to share their stories of courage, resilience, service, and teamwork. Each of these interviews will be donated to the Library of Congress to be preserved for our future generations. And you can hear our other episodes of this show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to stick around at the end of the episode to hear us reflect on what we've learned during the following conversation. Learn more at www.operationcrest.org. And now, let's begin the show. Today, we are interviewing Lieutenant Colonel Aaron C. Teller. Lieutenant Colonel Teller serves as Force Protection Branch Chief within the Full Dimension Protection Division, Headquartered Department of Army G-8. He most recently served as a National Security Fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. He is a native of Hillsville, Virginia, and a graduate of North Carolina State University in Raleigh, North Carolina. He holds a Master's of Arts in National Security and Strategic Studies from the U.S. Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island. Lieutenant Colonel Aaron Teller is an Explosive Ordnance Disposal Officer and has served over 20 years in the Army. He has multiple deployments, including to Iraq, Afghanistan, and Kuwait. Mr. Teller, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah, a great opportunity. Um, so I'm looking forward to the, to the questions. Yeah. Okay, so our first question for you is, why did you join the military and why did you pick the Army? So um, I'm third generation Army. Um, I served in the occupation of Japan at the end of World War II. And then my dad was also in the Army. Uh, he was a JAG officer, which is an Army lawyer. Um, I initially, I didn't want to go into the military. Um, I considered when I was in high school going into the National Guard of the Reserve. Um, but they couldn't get me the job that I wanted. I was really, I was a volunteer firefighter at the time in high school. Uh, and I really do something related to fire service. Um, and I was also interested in law enforcement. So I was thinking about something along the lines of arson investigation uh, as a firefighter. Um, so I considered being a, becoming a firefighter in the Army Reserve or National. Just doing that, that part time. They, they could not get me the job. For whatever reason at that time, there just wasn't any availability. So <laughs> I said, no, I'm not going to do it because um, that's the only thing I wanted to do. Um, so fast forward to college, uh, I was at NC State and I had a roommate who, which is how it, and there's three pipelines to become an army officer, uh, ROTC, um, through university officer candidate school, uh, and then a service academy, West Point, um, so I had a friend in ROTC, and he was like, this is a lot of fun. You should come check it out. Um, so I went over to talk with the ROTC department, and they offered me a scholarship on the spot. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Um, so I joined up, and I said, oh, I'll free college money. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll give it a shot. It's something to do for a few years. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I can become an MP, a military police officer uh, in the Army. 
So I gave it a shot and I said, I'll do a few years. The requirement at the time was to do a minimum of four years. Um, so I was like, huh, I'll do four years after, after college. Uh, and then here I am 21 years later and I'm still enjoying it. And you're, you're happy that you, this is where uh, the path led you instead of becoming a... It's, I mean, it's, it's given me extraordinary opportunities. Um, there's been a lot of sacrifice, but there's also been a lot, of, a lot of reward too. Just getting to work with the, the caliber of people that I get to work with. Mm -hmm. um, getting to see the world. Um, opportunities. Um, you know, they paid, the Army has paid for me for a master's degree. Uh, they sent me to Harvard for a year, which is a, a wow. once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. Um, so, and then just the, the, on, the, on, on the job experience that you get is just unmatched as far as leadership goes. Mm -hmm. um, so, I think the, all the sacrifice that comes along with that has been worthwhile. Um, and I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Um, thank you for sharing all that. Um, our next question is, what do you remember from your service in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Kuwait? Um, yeah, I have a, you know, a lot of memories, you know, good and bad. Yeah, that, those are the times when, you know, witness the, you know, soldiers, you know, that make just significant sacrifices. Um, you know, every day soldiers are putting their, you know, their lives on the line, um, you know, to, for our country and for us, for our freedom uh, and to keep us safe. Um, and then, and some soldiers just, they make, they have to make the ultimate sacrifice, which is giving their life, which is just, you know, you know, horrific, um, you know, and those are probably, you know, some of the saddest and darkest parts of my career is when you, you lose a soldier, um, you know, that works for you. Um, it's a lot of challenges during those periods of, of deployments. Yeah. Into the uh, into combat zones, just because there's you know there's so much sacrifice. Um, all the families that have uh, that have to sacrifice without their their loved one being deployed. Um, there's just tremendous challenges all around. That's mm -hmm. what what comes to mind first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I know you explained it in the assembly that you um, talked at at our school, but do you mind just going into detail about what you do? What your job is. Yeah, so my bio, it's really, uh, it doesn't say a whole lot unless you're familiar with the, the military. <laughs> um, so basically, my job is uh, explosive ordnance disposal is like the bomb squad for the Army. So, uh, and our mission happens both here stateside and also deployed. So the UD field is always working. Um, so whenever the president or vice president goes out to visit somewhere, our EUD soldiers are out in advance and they do all the sweeps for explosive devices. Mm -hmm. So if the president wants to go out to eat, then that means EUD soldiers have to go in ahead of time and check the whole restaurant out for any harmful things. Yeah. Um, and then you know, if, for Army units that are training, if they um, shoot a weapon system and, it, it, and it's... Uh, it doesn't explode, then it's our job to go and take care of it. Um, 
so backup support to local law enforcement for their if they don't have a bomb squad, uh, then we go off base and we respond in the community. Um, if there was um, you know some sort of uh, suspicious package or a lot of times um, you know in the past soldiers have brought stuff stuff back from war, grenades and you name it, um, and they'll pass away and then somebody will find like a grenade or a cannonball <laughs> or something in a house and we'll have to go out and take care of it. Um, stuff washes up all, anytime it rains, somewhere in the country, unexploded ordnance of, of some fashion is washing up, <laughs> uh, so we have to go out and take care of it. But, you know, improvised explosive devices occupy a lot of our, our, our mission. Um, so when, you know, the, our enemies, they'll, they'll create their own explosive devices to try to harm us. Mm -hmm. um, so our job is to go out and defuse those. And the same thing, if bombs don't go off, either shot by us or shot by the enemy, our job's to go out and defuse it. Um, so that kind of stuff you know, goes on all around the world. I mean, there's still bombs from World War II wow. that they're finding in Europe. Oh, wow. um, they have wash up or if they come across and they've got to be taken care of. So um, your job happens pretty much anywhere in the world. It can happen. Uh, we have soldiers deployed in Africa uh, because of all the occurred over there. Mm -hmm. We provide training and support for uh, for demining operations, uh, and then we have soldiers that are in Iraq, um, Kuwait, um, Syria, Jordan. They're all doing mm -hmm. doing the, the UD mission, um, and you know we have a permanent presence in Europe. So, pretty much all over the world. And even right next door, too. Right, right. here. Exactly. Um, you said that things wash up, like, when it rains. What's the oldest or, like, weirdest thing that you found yeah. that's washed up? We find the randomest stuff. And sometimes <laughs> it's, you know, in Louisiana, that was a, that state at one time or another just about was a, a bombing range over the place. <laughs> was heavily used for train up for uh, World War II and Vietnam um, and down there you know, the, the ground is really uh, soft mm -hmm. um, so when it rains stuff will wash up all the time and I was stationed there uh, as a captain um, and my company we would always anytime it rained we'd get called and sometimes it would be uh, like we would get cannonball calls cannonballs um, we could also get called for stuff that just looks like it might be dangerous, and it's not. We got called for a, uh, a buoy from a, <laughs> a boat <laughs> uh, that they thought was some sort of, some sort of bomb. Uh, we drove several hours to go and confirm that it was nothing. <laughs> that it was um, a, a buoy. Yeah. And then anytime if somebody forgets a backpack somewhere, uh, we get called. So lots of things like that. Airports too. Do you ever get called to airports for suspicious luggage? Um, so typically, the airports have their own um, security for the most part that can handle that kind of thing. Um, we do go and train with them though extensively, um, and they'll ask us to come and help test their systems and try to take sneak stuff through. Mm -hmm. um, so we do work with the airports on a pretty regular basis.
Um, so out of all of your years of service, what was your favorite memory being in the Army? It's a tough question. Um, in general, just you know, being able to to lead soldiers and to you know develop and mentor uh, and, and kind of build this generation of our army uh, and our people um, is probably you know my fondest memory. Um, there's just so much reward with being able to lead soldiers um, and to contribute to you know to their development. Um, Italian Command, which is um, you're in charge of multiple different companies of people, and, and for UD, it's about a little over 300 soldiers. Um, just being able to have that type of impact on so many people is, is really rewarding. Um, so I find you know any any time that I've been in those leadership positions um, are those memories. And um, who, from your time in the military, has had the most impactful presence in your life? I like to tell people, you know, people can have impact both positive and negative. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's kind of, it's kind of come from both ends of the spectrum. Um, you know, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of great, wonderful leaders uh, that I've learned from and also some bad ones too that I also was able to learn from. And, Kind of see what not to do. Right. Um, I think you know probably most recently um, when I was at in Fort Riley, Kansas, uh, just two years ago, I had a, the the general on the base. Um, his mantra was just was people first. Hmm. Um, size that if you take care of people, everything else will take care of itself. So by putting putting people first, you know, the mission will happen. All those other things will happen if you're just treating people right um, to where they want to come to work and they want to. Um, they'll do that for you if they know that, that you've got their back. Mm -hmm. um, so really look up to him and, and his message learned a lot. Yeah, that's a pretty impactful message. It's, I like that. And are there any important lessons or skills that you've learned from your service? Um, it's a, that's an endless list almost. <laughs> um, I mean, who I am today as a result of the military for the most part. Um, my parents set the foundation for me, but uh, as far as you know, career skills and leadership and management, you know, that's all come from my experience in, in the military. Mm -hmm. um, you know, learning how to plan both. Um, so from a personal perspective, you know, the military kind of gives you a framework for everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so, to your question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so this podcast seeks uh, veteran stories of courage, resilience, service, and teamwork. That's where we get crest from. And can you share any stories with us that relate to those themes? Yeah, I was, I was 
uh, mulling over different stories that I could share. Um, that, that were, and there's so many, it, mm. it's difficult. Um, and what comes to mind first are those soldiers that just, without any waiver, just are willing to put their life on the line mm -hmm. uh, to go, you know, things that are just inherently dangerous. Um, I thought of one scenario. Um, I'd woken up early morning, this was in Afghanistan, um, and I went to my, my operations center uh, and we got a call from the hospital on the base. Um, a soldier that was brought in and uh, he, they were using these uh, weapons called rocket propelled grenades, RPGs. Mm -hmm. um, almost, you know what a lawn dart is? shape explosive on the oh, head. Yeah. Um, so and it's long it's like the uh, um, several feet long um, well this one had gone had been shot at the soldier and it went through his shoulder uh, and so he had this big grenade sticking uh, out of his shoulder and then the, the body of the RPG was coming out the back, so to operate on him, he had this live explosive device. Oh, wow. Um, and one of our uh, explosive ordnance um, disposal soldiers uh, had walked into the, the operations center, and he wasn't on duty at the time. He was actually visiting in from another location, um, uh, but he heard what was, what was happening and immediately went and grabbed his, his gear and he, he went to the hospital. Uh, and he had to explosive device uh, older without any hesitation uh, and, and, and I, I was just uh, it was you know, really impactful mm -hmm. yeah uh, and they my, my soldiers were doing that kind of thing to stay in They disposed of over a thousand improvised explosive devices over the course of a year. Um, I was thinking there was a very uh, dangerous valley in our area called the Tangy Valley. Yeah. Nearly impossible to drive in and out. Like, because of landmines? Because of all the, not landmines, but uh, improvised explosive devices. Mm. So almost like a landmine, but homemade. Um, so even more unstable? So basically like a booby-trapped road. Oh like gosh. a gauntlet of explosive devices. We're just going in. There was just one way in and one way out. Uh, and they had booby-trapped the entire road. So it was nearly impossible to drive in. Um, so it was mostly you had, to, you had to just fly in by helicopter mm -hmm. to get there. Um, um, but it was, there was... Uh, circumstances they were going to close that site so there had to be we had to drive in um, in and out a couple times uh, and on one of those missions our soldiers disposed of over 60 booby traps just going one way and the bad guys were so fast on the way out like 
by the time they got there, loaded up and we're on you're up the road. Oh, my so they would just move just at a snail's pace and my soldiers would be out there finding stuff um, and disposing of it as they went. Your job seems like it's just inherently dangerous, just expo uh, going to places where there are explosive devices and... It is. That's why my soldiers impress me so much, because it's, you know, it's, a, it's a volunteer, you know, they <laughs> get chosen, you have to request to do this job, and you sign a, a volunteer statement saying that you're willing to do it. <laughs> That's... That's very courageous. That's incredible. Uh, uh, is there any advice that you would have for young people today, maybe thinking about the military or just in general? I think in anything. I'd say, you know, sh shoot for the stars and then have a plan to get there. So, you know, go for your dreams as your goal. Um, Make a plan to achieve it. Figure out what all the steps are leading up to you that you need to accomplish. I work with a lot of a lot of young soldiers that are you know, fresh out of high school, um, and they want to do a lot of grand things, um, but they don't have don't have a plan in place to achieve it. Um, so, and when I talk to them, a lot of times they don't know what they've got going on in five minutes versus five years down the road. Um, so my best advice uh, is to, you know, set your goals and then make the make the plan to achieve it. Um, so, you know, there's you talked about um, it's a lot of sacrifice that you see in your job, but not only is you're sacrificing your life, but you're also sacrificing you know, time with your family and uh, where you live. So have you seen? Or what are some of the benefits and drawbacks of being stationed in different places? Um, yeah, I've come to, to like it. Uh, initially, that was one of the factors that turned me off from the military. Um, it's all the moving. Because mm -hmm. I'd seen it with my dad. You know, growing up. I wanted to settle down in one place. Um, but I've quickly, you know, I quickly the you know all the moving around mm -hmm. we've moved 13 times in 21 years um scarlet i this is their second round in wakefield i think they've been in five other schools now um but we've got to meet just wonderful people all, all over the country military just it's a we have a vast network of friends that we've made uh, in our time in and so virtually anytime we move now we already have friends that are in the area that we cross paths with um, so yeah that's been a great benefit and then all the people you know that we've met in the communities have, it's just been wonderful um, that's what brought us back to, to Wakefield uh, this community again so I like the mixing it up every couple of years. I start getting tired uh, of a place usually at the about the two year mark. It's time to move again. Thought um, uh, maybe we should stabilize, you know, for my daughters so that they could stay in one school. Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
to mix it up as well. Hmm. So, what is the what is your favorite place that you've been stationed? We've been in some amazing places. Uh, we were just in Boston uh, for Harvard, uh, and New was a great place. That was our second time. My younger daughter Scarlett was born in Newport, Rhode Island. There, Naval Station, Newport, for the Naval work. It's a magical place. Um, it's like where all the um, the wealthy Americans, past and present, have built homes there. So, <laughs> so get... it's a really cool place. Yeah. Um, an Air Force base. Um, and then we were also out in the Pacific Northwest at Joint Base Lewis McCord, which is south of Seattle and Tacoma wow. uh, in Washington State. Um, so we've had some really great experiences. That's, a, um, yeah, that's cool. all over the country. Yeah, 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 we've been smack dab in the middle of the country at, in Kansas at Fort Riley. Mm -hmm. um, and then we were also in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So we've got a little taste of everything. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's nice that you're able to have like the connections in the communities wherever mm -hmm. you go. Yeah. Um, and is there anything else you want to share with us today? Um, I don't think so. I appreciate your having me. We appreciate you coming. Yeah, thank I, you for coming here. I was so interested when you presented at our school um, a few weeks ago. I thought what you did was just incredibly interesting and really I mean, it's a, it's a weird word to describe it, but really fun. It's, uh, and it, it's important for the military to, to be engaged with the community, especially you know, young people like you. And not just to try to convince people to go in the military, but just to familiarize you with it. Because uh, so many people now have gotten disconnected and just don't know what their military does. Yeah. Uh, because it's the military, is, it's become, you know, it's like a family business where those that are joining the military had, you know, a parent or a close friend or somebody that looked up to that was also in the military. Mm -hmm. um, so where there's kind of been a divide between the rest of the population and those that are familiar mm -hmm. with the military. So yeah. stuff like this is extremely important so that we can kind of rebuild that relationship and so that the, you know, the rest of America can get to know their military. Yeah. So it's a great opportunity. Well, thank you so much yeah, thank you. for coming to talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was a really interesting interview. I know, right? He was such a cool guy to talk to. I, it, was, um, it was interesting because he came to our school, like I had said before, and he uh, presented at one of our assemblies where he brought in... Um, what are the robots that they use for bomb extractions and uh, neutralizing bombs? And he let, like, he lets our students play with it and do a whole bunch of fun stuff. He also uh, brought in pictures of him and his um, crew, and it was just, I mean, like that—that that just made me so interested and so excited for this interview because his job is just fascinating. Yeah, and it was great for him to expand on what he does as like a bomb diffuser. I don't know, I don't know what he does. I don't know what the term is, but how he goes around and mm -hmm. finds old bombs that have not exploded. And yeah. it was really cool to see to like hear about how bombs from as far back as World War II have been washing yeah. up on the shores of like 
Louisiana and <laughs> parts of Europe. And like ca- cannonballs? Like from ships? <laughs> I just think that's so interesting. Yeah, that was really interesting. Um, and it was also nice to hear about his family experience yeah. as a military family because I feel like normally it's difficult for families to move around so frequently, mm-hmm. but he said that he and his family actually enjoy and look forward to moving around to different parts of the world. Yeah. And so it's nice to hear that they have a really strong military community always around them. Yeah, that was, I mean, I came into this um, podcast with the view that like, oh, like that's like one of the downsides of the military is moving around, but I'm, it was really inspiring to see that they came out with such a positive like outlook on the situation they enjoyed like they looked forward to it and like you said like the communities that I didn't even know existed that help support those families that move around a lot I think that's just I, it was just uh, a new thing that I learned personally yeah and going off of that like he talks a lot about how he appreciates what we do with this podcast and mm-hmm. the podcast is just like a really great way for us to learn about the veterans yeah. and it's just been a very good experience yeah I've learned so much from just being able to interview them and I I mean like they express after the interviews how grateful they are that they're able to talk to us and I think I'm equally as grateful that they're willing to talk to us and I think it's very important that um their stories however however they may be if it's just in the country I'm just so happy that both us and um, the people that we interviewed get this opportunity to talk to each other and share their stories yep I agree Thanks for listening to the Operation Crest podcast. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe and share. Today's hosts were Julia and Ava, and our guest was Lieutenant Colonel Aaron Teller. <laughs> the questions were written by us, and the editing was done by our teachers. Until next time, see ya. <laughs>